Good morning, Connection Point Church. How are we doing? All right. We are going to start this off a little different. We're going to start uh, off this service talking about some tattoos. And uh, if this is your first time at this church, I just want to make clear, you might think this is a different type of church. We view ourselves as a family. That's really a part of what this church is. And so this is going to be a little interactive. I'm going to be asking some questions. These are not rhetorical questions. I want you to respond. Um, but I want you all to introduce you. Uh, I want to introduce you to Chance. We, I started off this, uh, this week um, and I sent out on our social mem- uh, media, especially to some of our members, I said, hey, I'm going to have a contest for a tattoo contest since we're going to talk about tattoos in church. And uh, I said there were going to be three categories. The categories were going to be uh, the most awesome tattoo, the worst tattoo, and then the most tattoos. And then I changed the worst one because I didn't think that was a, a nice thing to do. As somebody said. So it's going to be the one that would be hardest to explain to your mother. Um, but the problem with this is, if you're in this church, you pretty much know who has that tattoo. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm going to show you, there are only two that we're even in this category. Go ahead and uh, put up that first picture of a tattoo. This is Chance's hot dog heart tattoo, okay? And this is actually on your body, right? It's on my jacket, too. No, and, so, and so that one... If you know Chance, you know that probably wasn't that hard to explain for Chance, but to any other of, of us, um, we probably would have had a little more trouble. Now, there was another one. Go to the next one. This was a late submission that I disqualified. <laughs> this does not count, okay? But, uh, but there were really only two that I would say those would be hard to explain because this, this is what I began to realize that I want, I'm changing the rules of this, okay? First of all, I am going to give Chance a uh, chance. Is that a skiing apple? That's Phil skiing, okay? Chance, here is your... Uh, I'm giving you the, the hardest to explain. I'm giving you this. And, and I'm going to give away one more and Chance is not uh, able to get this. I want... If, if, first of all, if you have a tattoo, I want you to raise your hand, okay? Be honest. Look at that. Okay. If you, okay, Chance, how many tattoos do you have? I think 15. Okay. If you have more than 15, anybody in here more than 15 tattoos? Okay. Well then I'm not going to let Chance win two. Okay. Okay. Who has, anyone in here have 14 tattoos? 13 tattoos? Oh, let's go the other way. Who has one tattoo? (laughs) Who has two tattoos? Keep your hands up. Who has three tattoos? Four? Five? Six. All right. All right. Six. All right. So I'm going to let you hand deliver that to the back. Okay. Y'all give it up for chance. Okay. Very good. All right. Now, this is why. This is why we're not giving out one for the best or most awesome tattoo, because I want to go through some of these other tattoos, and I just want to show you some of the ones that were submitted to me. Go ahead. Here, uh, there's uh, Dragonfly. And by the way, all of these are appropriate body parts, okay? You can't always tell, but I just want to make sure. I think that's, uh, okay, Uh, this is, uh, I think that's Megan uh, Friddle. Keep going, keep going, let's go. Uh, And uh, some of these are the same. But what I noticed, this was uh, Jenny O'Neill. Keep going, keep going, just keep them going. Um, What I began to notice as I looked through uh, these tattoos, thinking about the most awesome, is that everybody that has a tattoo has meaning in these tattoos. And so rather than giving a prize to the most meaningful, I didn't want to someone to think, you know what? I poured my heart into this. And so I just thought we'd show some of them uh, um, because it may look silly. Some of these you may think I would never do that or that's tacky or this or that, but I wanted, that's my wife's right there. And I know for her, it was a meaningful uh, decision. She put that as a reminder on her, her body because that, that's something she wanted to be reminded of every day. And so I want to just point out as we started this, I really kind of, as I was looking at these tattoos and some people were sending me these explanations of their tattoos about the meaning behind these tattoos. I thought, I don't want to minimize this just with a little, I want to, I want to at least recognize some of uh, you have put tattoos on your bodies. And if you're a Christ follower, some of you have even had these tattoos and you've uh, had to kind of deal with questions about your faith simply because you have these on your body, but yet they were meaningful. And so today I wanted to at least show them and, and, let, you see, uh, and let you see that there's a lot of meaning in some of these tattoos. But the reason why I want to talk about this today is because if you, st- if you sit in this church for any amount of time, 
You cannot stay an immature believer if you hear the word of God and you try to act on it um, every single week, over and over again. There is there's a power in it. And in this series specifically, we've been going through a book, or not through a book, but going through the first five books and looking at some of these laws that most of us don't really understand a lot about. And what happens in real life is that sometimes you will doubt uh, why you are following some of these, why don't we follow these laws? Or maybe you'll be accused. I've had people um, call me a hypocrite before. Hey, you know, you, you follow some laws, but then you, you don't follow these laws. Um, and usually the way this works is somebody will pull out the most obscure Old Testament uh, reference and law and they'll say, like uh, Deuteronomy 22.8 says, you should put a parapet on your house, okay? In other words, you should put like a castle wall on your house, a little wall around the roof of your house. And they'll be like, you don't do that, but yet you're telling me not to covet. You're a hypocrite. And if, if you don't dive in a little bit to the law and you don't understand what God is doing in the Old Testament law, you can begin to doubt, you know what, maybe I'm doing this wrong. Maybe I really am a hypocrite. And maybe I'm, I'm following, I'm, I'm not really following Christ. And you can even doubt sometimes whether you're sincere in your faith <laughs> simply because somebody made an accusation against you. And so we have these things where people will say, you know what, you'll get a tattoo. The Bible says don't get tattoos. You'll break that law. But yet, you know, there are some laws don't, you know, if you stub your toe and you say the name of the Lord in vain, then you're going to hell for that. You know, you follow this law. But there are certain things. You'll tell me what to do, but yet I see you breaking these laws. And so in this series, what I've tried to be clear on is we believe the law still applies. Only when we say we believe the law applies, we believe that Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill the law. And so when we talk about the Old Testament, we think the heart of God can be found in the Old Testament law, but we also recognize that God has not stopped working, that God continued to work and ultimately in Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. And so when we look into these laws, we have to understand how Christ fulfills these laws. And so we've, we've talked a little bit about context of laws. Um, two things specifically that we've talked about um, is that these laws are usually an example of something, of, of a bigger principle. And the way that they would use laws back in these days, in the, in the um, Old Testament times, is they would have one law that represented a whole bunch of laws. And that the law was given as a gift. One time Jesus was accused of breaking a law, a law called the Sabbath. He was doing some work on Sabbath. The, the work that he was doing is he was eating off of a... Um, piece of wheat and he was just eating in a field and somebody accused him of breaking the law and he said the Sabbath was given to man, not man given for the Sabbath. In other words, we obey these as a gift to follow God. So I want to look today <coughs> at this, <coughs> excuse me, this law about tattoos. It's found in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 28. Okay. This is what it says. It says, you shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. Some say, or mark yourselves, for I am the Lord. Now the context, there's some more context into this. Do you need to understand when, when the context of this, <coughs> as we get into, man, excuse me. As you understand the context, hopefully it'll draw you out. But where I want to go with this is I really want to bring us to the heart of this law. And I want us as, I believe that as you begin to understand this simple little law about why God says, do not mark your bodies with tattoos, about why he would say that, I think it's going to make you worship in a whole new way. So let's look at it a little bit. First thing I want to point out is, this is Leviticus. This is uh, when Moses is giving the law to his people. Um, and he gives this law to the nation who he's setting up this new nation of Israel. And he says, don't cut your bodies. And in fact, before that, he said, don't uh, trim your beards right this, um, the way that, that you've been doing it. Don't cut your hair the same way. And so the context of this is they're coming out of Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt and they're bringing out in, in God is setting up a new nation with new customs and new culture. <laughs> and so what he's saying to them is, you're not going to cut your hair like the Egyptians. You're not going to go to the, uh, to the, 
the, the necromancers and the people that look to the skies, and you're not going to try to um, interpret the signs. That's what he says right before this verse as well, like they did in Egypt. The astrologers, you're not going to go there. <laughs> and then he says, and you're not going to cut your bodies the way that they did in Egypt. That's the context is in Egypt. Uh, and, and we even see this later on. Uh, there's a story where uh, on the prophet Elijah is up on Mount Carmel and, and the, the priest of Baal start cutting themselves. Okay, and that's something that was a pagan, uh, a, a pagan ritual, and they would do it specifically to mourn the dead in Egypt. So out of where they're coming, <laughs> he's saying, you're not going to be like those people you came from. You're not, you're going to, I'm making you entirely different. You're not going to mark your bodies. Now, what's interesting about tattoos is that they're actually condoned other places in the, in the Bible, in fact, a couple of them that I just want to show you in Isaiah 44, 5 says this, this one will say, I'm the Lord's. Another will call in the name of Jacob and another write on his hand, the Lord's and his name by the name of Israel. And this word right is actually Mark. Okay. In other words, some people are going to tattoo the name of the Lord on their hands. And this isn't given as if you do this, you're sinning. It's saying some of you are setting yourselves apart for the Lord and you're tattooing God's name. And so in some contexts, tattoos are allowed. My favorite one, and I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there, there's this picture of Jesus in Revelation that is what I like to call biker Jesus, okay? Harley Davidson Jesus, okay? Because it's, you got to understand that most of us, when we think about Jesus, we think of eight-pound baby Jesus, you know, or we think of Jesus on the cross, but Jesus now, the way the Bible portrays Jesus now is entirely different. Jesus uh, in Revelation, John, uh, who writes this book, he has a different picture of Jesus. This is what he says about Jesus. He says, then I saw in heaven opened and behold a white horse and the one sitting on it is faithful and true and the righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems and he has on his a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And by, his, um, by that name in which he is called the word of God. And armies of heaven are arrayed in fine linen around him, white and pure. And they were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. This isn't the Jesus some of us are used to. But listen to this. He says, he will tread the winepress of fury and wrath of God, the almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written. King of King and Lord of Lords. I mean, can you imagine this picture of Jesus getting off the white horse and you see a little bit on his thigh and he's got King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Jesus has a cooler tattoo than most of us in here, I would say. It's, uh, now there are some people that say it's probably just written on his, on his garment or something like that. But all that to say, there's a potential that we get there and Jesus has this big tatted leg that's, that says King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so why is it then that there are some contexts that seem to say it's okay for you to have tattoos. It's okay, the prophet Isaiah says, if you put the Lord's name on here and you devote yourself to the Lord, it's okay if you have a tattoo. But yet it's not okay for the nation of Israel to, to put a tattoo on them. What's going on? Well, like everything else in the Bible, context matters. This is why it can be dangerous when we just pick a verse and throw it out as if that's exactly how we should live it out today. Many people do this. It's very dangerous to do. Context, just to give you some ideas of context. Did you know if uh, you were to go to, uh, let's say, England? How many of you have been to England? Have you ever given a victory sign in England? Now, if you give a victory sign like this in England, you're okay. But anybody know what happens if you turn it around this way? It's the same as giving someone the finger in, in England. In fact, if you're watching online in England... I just gave you the finger. It's kind of weird. It's the same context of um, in Bangladesh, there are, there are places where if you're sitting down for dinner and, they say, or, and you've just finished dinner and uh, the, the woman who's prepared your dinner says, hey, do you like my dinner? And you say, you've just insulted her because there are certain cultures there that they, the head shakes are the exact opposite. This means yes and that means no. So you can see that if you were there and you didn't know the context, you didn't know the culture, then you would, you would misinterpret what's going on. <coughs> this happens all the time. 
So when we look at the Bible, we have to understand what was going on at the time where they were. They're trying to separate themselves from the Egyptians and, and from the cultures around and say, we're going to be distinct. We're going to be different. Now, archaeology tells us that there are two main reasons. In fact, there's really only two major reasons in the surrounding areas that you would ever have a tattoo in this time. There were not a lot of people that were just getting big butterflies tattooed on the back of their, you know, their their back, or, you know, or wherever you get tattooed, butterfly <laughs> tattoos. Not a lot of people had dolphins on their ankles, okay? The first one is this. <clears throat> if you were a slave, your master would tattoo you. And it was a return to sender. Your master would put, your, put their name on your body. And if you ever escaped and somebody found you, they would go and they would return you to the, the name, whoever's name was marked on you. Okay, and the second reason is there would be temple prostitutes or temple uh, people that would go and they would serve the temple of these foreign gods. And what they would do is they would put the name of that God on their body. And so God says this rule. And then the context of we're separating from here, from the, all these places, we're going to take these, uh, the, the, con the cutting. We're not going to cut when we mourn. We're not going to cut ourselves. We're not going to do these things that you see everyone else doing. We're different. If you're going to follow me, you're different. You're not going to put somebody, somebody's name on their body. If you're, if you're a Hebrew person, if you're going to follow Yahweh, you're not going to take a slave and mark their body. <laughs> if you're going to devote yourself to me, you're not going to go and put the name of another God. You're not going to put, my name, or put the name of another God on your body. We're not going to do that. And so real simply... When we look at this thing about tattoos, it's not really about the marking. It's about the significance of it. So the first thing I want you to see is that tattoos at this time, tattoos were about carrying a name. Tattoos were about carrying somebody's name. God is very, very clear. You are not ever going to be marked by somebody else's name if you're going to be my people. And what's interesting is there's a lot of slavery. In fact, this command of tattoos is in a lot of ways an anti-slavery command. In fact, one of the first things is, is God brings uh, the people of Israel together and he, and he gives Moses the law, the Ten Commandments. Do you know he, get, he does that in Exodus chapter 20 and the first set of laws in Exodus 21 that he gives are slave laws of this is how we're going to conduct. And so it's interesting that the, the word slave is actually used for the Jewish people but when we talk about slaves in the Old Testament with the, the Jews, it was quite different. With the Hebrew people, it was quite different. If you, you didn't have the, the type of slavery we think of. A slave would be someone, a Hebrew slave would be a, a, a person who says, you know what, I'm in debt. I'm never going to get out of debt. And I would, I would intentionally sell myself <coughs> to a master. That's what slavery looked like to inside the nation of Israel. And I would do this, and every seven years or less, there was a year that would come by, and on that year, they would let all of the slaves go. There was no lifelong, if you were a Hebrew person, you would never, and you had a slave, you would never keep that person for life, okay? And, and what could happen is, if, I'm a, if I, I've sold myself into slavery, the, the sixth year comes, uh, the seventh year comes, and I'm going to be released. They would give me a whole bunch of stuff. They would send me with food, with clothes. They would send me well off so that I could go out and start my life because I'd paid off my debt. And, and what's interesting about this is there's an option that if you want to stay with that family, you can actually become a lifelong slave. You can choose to become a lifelong slave. But you could not do it by marking your body with that name. That was against the law. If you were going to do it, what you would have to do is they would take an awl, an awl, and that's what you say, the, the drill, and they would put your, yeah, in Texas, it's all the same. You would put your ear up to the door and you would drill a hole. They would pierce your ear and you would pierce it into the door. Basically saying, I'm not, you're not giving yourself to a name, to somebody's name, but you're going to commit yourself to this household. And understand that you're doing something that isn't a permanent marking. You're not tattooing uh, somebody's name of ownership. That's not what's going to happen in Israel, God says. What's going to happen is if you want to commit yourself and serve this household, you can do it and signify it by, by piercing your ear. So we see this, and what, what happens is that 
God has this context where they've just been owned by people. People said, I own you. And they, some of these people, uh, some of these uh, uh, Hebrews might have actually had names of their Egyptian masters. And God says, we're not going to do that. Not only are we not going to be slaves, we're not going to have slaves the way that you, ha- you were slaves. We are not going to treat other people that way. If you're going to follow me, you're not going to put tattoos. Now, in context, every single Hebrew person would have known this law. We're not going to have, okay, that would have made sense to them. Because the idea being that tattoos are about carrying a name. And you are not going to carry some other person's name on your body. So let's fast forward. Let's put this in context a little bit. So for us, how many of you have a tattoo that has somebody's name on it? How many of you have a tattoo of somebody's name you wish was not on? No, 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 don't answer that. Now, is it okay to have your booze name on your, on your shoulder? Okay. Yes, unless, unless you've done it because you've sold them into, they've sold you into slavery. If it is a ownership tattoo, that's probably against the law. But this is not speaking to you if you got that butterfly. That is not the heart of this law. That is not, this is about carrying a name. And if you have a name, I actually have a name on my arm. This is uh, in a mark. It's my daughter's name in a mark. She was uh, um, adopted from Ethiopia. In, uh, in their language, her, her name, uh, Dilweet, means uh, lucky, the lucky one. And I, I saw that, and I thought I had so many emotions when I adopted her that I, I, I said to myself, there's going to be times that she may wonder if I, if I really, how much I love her. There, there are going to be times when she may wonder if I'm all in, and I'll say, you know what, I want her to, to, have a, a, to know I'm all in on her. And so I got her, her and I also want her to know, hey, I'm proud of her Ethiopian culture. I'm proud of where she came from. And I don't ever want her to, to wish she would have not been from there or whatever. I want her to be proud of being African. I want her to be proud of where she's at. And so I want her to, sit, to, to see it on me. And, and so I was a lot of, uh, of putting her name, but, but it's not about an ownership. It's not about, it's an identification. It has a lot of meaning. But understand, it's not breaking this law. It's not saying, you know what, I'm, I, I own her. In fact, technically it would be the other way around. She would own me, Right. <laughs> But, and some of you may argue that actually has happened, but that's not the intent of the tattoo, okay? Now, all that to say, in context, this, has, this, this law is not speaking to you if you got hot dogs tattooed on your leg, if you got a, a, a meaningful tattoo or a dumb tattoo, and you carry these marks. That is not the heart of this law. The heart of this law is that you are carrying a name. Whose name are you carrying? Now, let's give some more context to this, why it matters whose name you're carrying, because some of us are actually breaking this law, and we don't even know that we're breaking this law because you think, I don't have my body marked. You know what? I'm not, I'm not breaking this law, but I want to, to give you some context to, to, this, the, to this law as well that goes back even further than Leviticus. You see, in the Bible, you'll never really understand the Bible unless you understand Genesis 1 through 11. Now, I'm going to at some point preach through Genesis 1 through 11 because Genesis 1 through 11 is distinct from every other part of the Bible. It is not tied to any event in history. It's what we would say. Technically, it's, it, it kind of refers to prehistory. It doesn't, it's not tied to any kings. We don't know the date of which anything in Genesis uh, 1 through 11 happens. Technically, we don't even know, um, have any archaeology or historical proof that would say, Hey, these events happen. These are our stories we know that were told for years and years and years and years. But the importance of these stories cannot be taken away from the Bible. Because it's a story of God creating to wanting to be with his people. And when he creates men and women, you know what he, he, he creates a man? He creates a man, his image, the image of God. And you and I are image bearers of God. We're carrying his name. That's one of the first things that is stated when God creates man. He says, you are in my image. You are bearing my name. And then what happens is men begin to rebel. And over and over again, men and women begin to rebel against God. And we try to start building our own name till we get to Genesis 11. Genesis 11 is what is known as the Tower of Babel. Now, the Tower of Babel is an interesting story. They build this tower, and, and, and God sees this, and he says, let us, because remember, God is not just one. God is three in one. And so in Genesis 
chapter 11, he says, God says, let us go down. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, let us go down. And he says, let us confuse. This is Genesis chapter 11, verse 4. He says this. Let us confuse their language. So uh, they were building in this tower, he said, so we can make a name for ourselves. Let me find it and, and read it in context, because this is a big deal you need to understand. You'll never understand the entire Bible unless you understand the downward spiral that men had been on since the beginning of creation. They were made in the image of God. And then by Genesis chapter 11, we see this. It said, the people uh, found a plain in the land of Shinar and they settled there and they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them together and make mortar. And then they said, this is verse four, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the whole earth. God had said, be fruitful and multiply and scatter and men by Genesis 11 had, had disregarded that, the image bearers, and they had said, rather than bearing the image of God, we are going to make a name for ourselves. And this, this decision, we are going to be about ourselves. We are going to make our own name set off a whole new way of thinking in the Bible. From then on, everything is tied to history and it's tied to a plan that God took a man and then he, he, he raised that man into a nation. That nation became a people and eventually that went to the whole world of how God was going to redeem because it wasn't enough just to say, hey, you bear my name. Because every time God says, I, you bear my name and he just let us go, we always rebelled. We always began to build our own name over God's name. What's interesting about this is that to me, this is one of the biggest struggles that all of us struggle with in life is that we try to make a name for ourselves over the name we were given, the image we were given. And you know, I was thinking about this. I think for right now, this is the, the generation that's, that's coming up right now, whatever you want to call them, millennials, I don't know, there are more than that, that are coming up right now. I believe that this is the hardest time to be a kid. I believe that. And I believe this is new news because before this generation, it had always been our grandparents, right? Now, my life wasn't that hard growing up, okay? My, my, my parents, it wasn't that hard. But my grandparents walked to school in the snow, barefoot, uphill both ways. You know, they had it hard. And so every time I would go to school, I'd be like, I got shoes on. It's pretty flat. And, you know, I, I feel it's, it's a little easier than my grandparents. But now we look at this generation and, and we begin to see this is different, I've got kids and it's different because this generation is carrying around a tower of Babel in their pocket at all time, as many of us in this room are. And what's interesting about this tower of Babel is it is all about making a name. It is turned into this. Now, there are good ways that we can use our phones, but understand, I see now there's a 24-7 where you got to be on. You got to make your name. You got you to let people know, I'm not just sitting around the house. I'm not just relaxing. I'm not just, you know, cooling off after school. I am actually doing something that's so awesome you're missing out. And I've got to always be making that name. And my bullies, you know, for me, well, we all had bullies growing up. And we may be tempted to say, you know what, what's the big deal? Why is bullying such a big deal? The difference is I had bullies for like five minutes in between class. And if I could duck them, I could get away from them. I got home, I could get with my friends and I was safe. I could get around my people, I was safe. But now the bullies will follow them home and they will go into the bed with them. Well, when they go down to sleep, their bullies can still be speaking to them. And it's all because we now have, whether we realize it or not, we have this device that is allowing our name to always be made great, whether it's by us being awesome on Instagram or whether it's by us tearing down someone else when they're trying to escape us. It's a hard time to be a kid. In fact, I really think that kids could say, you know what, nowadays, when, you know, when I grow up, my bullies followed me everywhere and I can never escape them. And that's a hard, hard story. Now, I say all that because Better now than ever, we know. Everyone is trying to carry a name. Everyone is trying to make a name for ourselves. That's one of our biggest struggles. And so we need to understand that, that God says, you're not going to carry somebody else's name, but there are a lot of us in here who it's not someone else's name we're tattooing on our bodies. We're tattooing our own name. And it's not with a mark physically, 
but we're walking every second of, of the day saying, how can I be awesome? How can this life be about me? And every step we do that, we're, we're, we're getting dangerously close to breaking this law that God gave us. Don't put a tattoo on your body. Don't make your name great. What's interesting is we can only wear one name. And that's often when people are accused of being a hypocrite, we will sometimes throw out this one, another law that seems obscure, but is really, I think, the most important law when it comes to whose name we bear. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, this is one of the Ten Commandments. There's one that we misinterpret a lot that speaks to this tattoo law, actually. It says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, most of us, when you see this law, you, you remember your grandmother or your, your mom or somebody, uh, you stubbed your toe and you said, Jesus Christ, or you said the name of God in some form. Some of you driving to church this morning saw a cop and you're like, slam on your brake. And you, says, you, you, says, you say the name of Jesus out loud. And in your mind, you're thinking, I just broke one of the Ten Commandments. I just broke this. And I want to let you know. That is not, when that law was given, God was not saying, hey, when you stub your toe, you better not say the name of Jesus Christ. You better not say the name of Yahweh when you stub. That was not the idea. Now, I'm not saying it's good practice to go around doing that, but that's not the, the idea of this, okay? Some of you thought you had broken that five times this week, and you haven't even broken that law, but there's something bigger going on here. You see, that, that word... To take the name. Do not take. That word in, in the Hebrew actually is more than just take. It's nasah. It means to carry or bear. I would even say to wear might be a good one. To carry the name of God. And it says do not do it in vain. And we don't really think about what the word vain means. That word shav in Hebrew means empty or false. Empty or false, worthless. So here's this law that the first law, before he ever said, don't get tattoos, it was so important that God said, one of the top 10 things I want my people to be about that's going to separate you from the people around you is that you are going to carry this name with purpose. If you're going to say you are all in, and remember, who are these people? These are people that have just been rescued from slavery, from Egypt. And, and God has now gathered them into safety, and they're about to go into this land that he had promised them. And he's giving them an option. If you're going to be my people, if you're going to walk around saying, hey, we're Israelites, we are, we are people of Yahweh, we are people of God. If you're going to bear this name, if you're going to wear this jersey, don't do it without purpose. Don't carry this name as if it is empty. Because this name means something. You are not going to walk around saying you're a person, of, is a person that follows God, but yet your life looks like the surrounding nations. What God is doing here is he's separating. He's saying if you're going to wear this name, you're not going to wear your hair like the people next to you. You're not going to be able to just walk around. People are going to know you're fundamentally different. You're not, going to mark, you're not going to have slaves the way that they have slaves. And you're not going to, to, to carry your life the way that most people do. And I see this all the time. We see bandwagoners, don't we? It's not always about God. Sometimes it's just, usually it's our sports teams. That's where we see people carrying names in vain, right? By the way, uh, I know that Texas Tech had a big win last night, right? Anybody excited about that? A few of you. That's, that's about the, okay, we've got some silent guns. By the way, did you know that uh, Texas, the University of Texas has already won a championship this year? We've already won the NIT. So it's really, I mean, Texas Tech tried to get ahead of us, but, you know, we're still pretty much equal. We both won championships this year is what I'm saying. Now, there are some people, I'm going to talk louder. There are some people that right now, as of last night, 
decided, I am a Virginia fan, okay? They decided, you know what? I, I, and all of a sudden, they're putting on their Virginia jerseys, right? They're saying, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the, my, my, the worst one that I've seen is I have a family member, and I'm not gonna call this person out, but a few years ago, they started wearing uh, uh, Seahawks jerseys, okay? And it just drove me nuts. I was like, Seahawks, I like the colors. And then they started wearing Golden State. And I was like, are you kidding me, Golden? Just because, and, and, and a lot of us, that's how we, we pick our sports teams. If we don't really care, we go for the one that's winning, right? And you know that, that that's not really someone who's all in. They're carrying that in vain. And as soon as they start having bad years, as soon as they start losing, what do you do? You tuck it away in the back of the closet. You are like, ah, it's just doing it because of the colors. And, and you're carrying that name in vain. By the way, that's the reason that we don't do uh, Connection Point Church bumper stickers. Because uh, you realize if you're going to bear this name, I've seen how some of you jackasses drive, and I'm not going to put our bumper sticker on. I'm just being real, okay? We don't want somebody, and I'm just kidding. I, I didn't really call you that. That's hypothetical. There's, I don't want somebody, though, seeing your, your, your bumper sticker and saying, I would never go to that church because look how they drive. You know, you're carrying our name. You're carrying a name, and it means something. It means something. And so God says, if you're going to wear this name, if you're going to call yourself a Christ follower, you're not going to act like everyone else. You're not going to walk around and act like everyone else. You're going to look different. And so I want to just point out, that there are some of us in this very room that are wearing a jersey that says, hey, I'm a Christian. Hey, I'm a Christ follower. Hey, I go to church. But when we look at our lives, we're not all in. We don't walk every single day, every single step saying, I'm bearing the name of a holy God who has already rescued me from slavery and from bondage. And I'm not going to carry this name as if it's worthless. But yet there are some of us that rather than saying, God, I will follow you no matter what you say. There are some of us that say, you know what, I'll go to church, but I'm not going to be generous. You know, my stuff is mine, God, and I'm going to do what I want with my money. Or you know what, God, I, I, I'll, I'll pray, but I can't get up and write, read my Bible. My time is precious. I'm not going to do this. I, I don't really need to know uh, everything about you. you know, I, I, I'll, I'll go to church. I might pray a little bit, but we tell God how we're going to interact with him. We tell him how we're going to follow. And I see this all that we see this all the time. You know what? Okay, I'll serve on a team that I like in church, but I'm not going to join a group. I'm not going to uh, um, actually forgive that person that I want to forgive. Hey, God, I'll, I'll come and I'll listen to the sermons as long as they're good. I'll, I'll sing the songs as long as, you know, the band is good. But there's no way. I'm going to let somebody know my, my biggest struggles. There's no way I'm going to shine any light on my darkness. You understand, when we have this mentality, we are carrying a name in vain. We are tattooing our name in the place of God. We're bearing our image and not God's. God, you know, I'll pray more, but I'm not going to dig in and fight my sin. I'm not going to really try to live different and say, you know what, God, I, I've got, I've got to, to seek supernatural power. I've got to have my church praying for me. I've got to, I've got to find someone to confide in my deep darts. I'm not going to do that. Well, whose jersey are you wearing? Whose name are you trying to protect? I really believe some of us here are wearing tattoos that we don't even know. We've got our name tattooed all over our bodies. This life is about me. I'm bearing the image of me. I'm all about me. But understand, God's purpose is, is fundamentally different. Now you go back to Leviticus 19. He says, you shall not tattoo yourselves. And he has this phrase, I am the Lord, tacked onto it. I am the Lord. That word Lord is, means authority, power. God says, I am the authority, I am the master, I'm the one. That's what, that's what he's saying. Don't tattoo yourselves because you have a master. I want to let you know, in Romans uh, chapter uh, 14, when uh, we look at chapter 8, we have this verse that shows what it looks like for a Christ follower. This is what Romans 14, 8 says. It says, if we live, we live to the Lord. 
If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. We belong to Jesus. It is his name that we are bearing at all time. It is his name tattooed on our body. And when we forget that and we begin to just live our lives as if we're no different, we try to carry our own weight. We try to make sure that if we're struggling, we take care of it ourselves. We can be strong. We don't have to rely on a church. We don't have to pray to God. Uh, we don't have to really believe that God's the only one that can deliver us from this. We'll just fight it and we'll suffer through it and we'll just see where we can get it. But I want to tell you, you don't belong to you if you're a Christ follower. You bear his name and it's 24-7. But here's the coolest part about this tattoo imagery is did you know God has a tattoo? Isaiah 49 says this. Can a, woman, can a woman forget her baby who nurses at her breast? Can she withhold compassion from the child he has born? The answer to that, by the way, is no. Every mother in here would, would testify. But even if the mother's were to forget, I can never forget you. Look, I have inscribed your names on my palms. This is really incredible. God says, listen, I will never forget you. In fact, I'm so devoted to you. And he gives this imagery. Now, understand that God really doesn't have palms. He's giving us imagery here, okay? But he says, I've put your names there. And you don't have to be about you because I am about you. You don't have to be all about making your name great because God is all about lifting up and exalting you. And the way that God does that is when you devote yourself to him, he will take care of it. He will make sure you are provided for, but he will also make sure that he is working in and through you and your name means something. Your purpose is found in him, but you've got to be about him. So here's what I want to do to close this message. You know, when you carry a name, it's a powerful thing. And some of us don't consider the names we carry. I've had a few opportunities in my life where my team, the jersey actually wear, uh, where that team actually won. 2006, Longhorns finally found the promised land. 2011, Dallas Mavericks finally made it all the way. And I'll tell you, I would go to the Cowboys, but that's so far a lot, you know, back half of us can't remember. But some of us are there. Listen, you're old. Now, you asked. Here's what, I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. I rode the highs, I rode the lows. And when we finally got there, it was so worth it. You realize that when you bear the name of God, you're going to ride some lows. And there are going to be some times where you're alone. You feel alone, but you're never alone because you actually bear the name of your Savior. I want you to think about the disciples. There were 11 disciples on the night that Jesus was crucified, and they watched the lowest of lows. They watched their Savior, the one they had called Master. They watched him crucified, and everything about their lives seemed to have ended. And they, they were crying out to God, and, and, and what is, if he wasn't even hearing them. But three days later, the Bible says Jesus rose from the dead. And all of a sudden, these men who were petrified because they had devoted their life to this man and they had rode these lows, they all of a sudden were lifted up. And these men, these 11 men, went on to start a movement inspired and empowered by the Spirit of God simply because they put their trust in Jesus. They put everything into him in the lowest moments, trusting that in when he was raised up, they would be raised up too. And in rather than them going, on, going and scattered, they came together and said, you know what, we're going to live for Christ. And they changed the world. I'm going to do something a little different to close. I'm going to invite Megan up to play. Some of us right now, you need to know something about this church. This church is, is a family. That's who we are. And understand that when we're following Christ, there are some of us that are in those low times. In fact, there are some of you that this week would say, you know what, I'm in a low time. But here's what I, I, 
I want to make sure we as Connection Point Church that we're following correctly. If you're in a low time and you would say, you know what, this week has been a hard week. This month has been a hard week. I'm in a season. There's some of you that are in that right now and you're just toughing it out. You're just fighting through it. You're trying to say, you know what, I'm proud. I'm going to bear this name. I'm going to bear my name. I'm not going to let people know. I've got to be strong. And you're telling yourself these things that you've got to be strong. You've got to be. And what you're doing is you're wearing your tattoo. You're wearing your image, your name. And you're denying where your power really comes from. There are some of us in here. We've had a pretty good week. Been blessed. And we look around and we think, you know what, I'm doing all right. I'm going to go to church. I'll leave church. I'm going to be pretty thankful today. But what we don't realize is that we're leaving a church where some people are hurting. And we were at this church, not because you're doing okay. Hey, we want to pat you on the back. You were at this church service because somebody needed you to pray. And so what we're going to do in this moment is I'm going to challenge you that if you've had a hard week, if you're in a season right now where you've been trying to tough it out, but you're not able to make it through, I want to challenge you to raise your hand right now. Just give you a second. Okay, and I want the rest of you who are right now, I'm okay. Keep your hands up. If you get tired, you can kind of do that thing. I want to just challenge you. If that's you, the right thing to do is not for you to say, hey, I'm tough. Joel's tough. The way that God has designed it is we say, I'm weak, but he is strong. So in this moment, I'm going to rely on him. And the rest of us who are strong and right now are doing well, we find these people and we say, you know what? It's not okay for me to leave this church knowing that my brothers and sisters are hurting. Maybe you've never called on the name of Jesus. Maybe you don't know what it's like to follow a, a Savior who can conquer death itself and know that in your lowest moments, you have a Savior who resurrects the dead. He can certainly resurrect whatever you're going through. But the way you're going to get through it is because your church loves you. And the way that a church responds when people are hurting is we say, I, this isn't about me. I bear the name of Christ. So if you're a Christ follower right now, Go ahead, keep your hands up, you that. And I, I want to do something. I want to invite Angie. Angie, I want you to come up here. This week, uh, Angie, uh, she she texted me. She called me, and she said, "Hey, I'm I'm hurting." She said, "Just call me." And I and I called her, and uh, and we started talking. And she's going on the mission trip with us. She speaks Espanol, which is awesome. It's going to be, God is going to use her in such an awesome way. That's, that's what I see and I know. But she calls me and she says, you know what, I don't think I can go on this mission trip. I just, I just, there's too many things. And I said, well, well, have you talked to your connect group? And she said, you know what, Aiden's going through some stuff too. In fact, Calvin, we're, we're going through some stuff and we can't even make it to a group right now because we've got to be home by eight and it just was we're just in a season. And I said, I thank you for reaching out. That's what family does is we, we, we reach out. She's burdened because uh, she's trying to raise $3,000. That's a big burden on her. But she's also got a lot of things going on. So I said, I want you to pray for three days. And let's just pray. And I want you to at least discover what the Lord is saying to you. And I said, if the, if the Lord is still saying, go on this trip, then I want you to come back and I want you to tell me. And then we'll go from there. So she came back three days later and she said, you know, I've talked to different people. I've, I've, I don't, I'm fearful is what she said. I'm overwhelmed with fear. I'm gripped with fear. But she said, you know what? I know that God is going to use me on this trip, but I just feel so empty. And so I said, you know what I want to do? I'm going to, on Sunday, I want to invite you up. This is, I'm not just pulling her out of the crowd. And I said, we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you. And some of us in here might even say, you know what, I've got money. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help her out on her journey to raise money for her, for her uh, trip. Some of you might say, you know what, I want to find out more about how. In fact, we've already talked to some other connect groups in, in some other ways. Eric and I said, you know what, we're going to have them over. And until we get them plugged into a group, we're going to make sure. Because she did what she family does. She reached out. So here's what I want us to do. I want, us to, I want Angie to come down here. The rest of you, raise your hands. If you're going through something right now, 
And I'm just gonna say a prayer right now and then Megan's gonna play and pray and play. I'm gonna pray, you play. And for just two or three minutes, if you're doing good, I want you to find somebody with their hand raised and I want you to pray for them. I want you to pray over them. And, and that means that some of you are like, oh, I don't do prayer. Listen, you bear an image, you bear a name. You're carrying a name. And if you're carrying that name, you call on that name. You are a praying person if you're wearing that name. And if you, are, if you say, I don't pray, I don't this, you're telling God you're wearing your name. But we're gonna, as family, just gonna have a time of prayer. So go ahead, if you're struggling right now and you need prayer, I want you to raise your hand. And the rest of us, as I pray, get up and move around this room and find someone to pray for. Some of you come up here and pray with Angie. Lord, we thank you so much that this is not a church like other churches. Lord, this is a family. This is a, a place where when I'm hurting, I cry out. When I'm struggling with a sin, I don't pretend I'm perfect. Lord, instead, I reveal it. I confess it, knowing that this church is for me. We're all struggling in here. We all have seasons where we're high and where we're low. And in this time, Lord, we want to carry your name. Not the way maybe other churches expect to carry your name. Maybe if there's some of us in here that say, this is not what I've ever seen. Lord, I pray that this church will look different. Lord, we want to carry your name, not just when we leave this place, but when we're in this place, we want to worship with power. Lord, everyone that has raised their hand today, saying that they're in a season of weakness, maybe a season of just overwhelming struggle. Maybe there's some in here that are struggling with a sin that you've given up on or maybe that you've just tried to fight your way through saying, you know what, I'll get this. But Lord, I pray that this week you'll give us the boldness to confess our sin to somebody in our church, in our, in our connect group. Someone that can say, you know what, now that you've shined a light on it, God can work. And we're never going to judge. We're never going to make fun or, or to, to look at someone different who has confessed who has said, you know what, I want to repent. I want to walk with God. I want to bear his name. When we see that, Lord, I pray that our heart is rejoicing. Lord, we lift up those right now that are weak and are struggling. Lord, it's not by our power that we're going to see lives changed. It's by your power. And we thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.